Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Isaiah. This is Ed. And we are recording here today on Tuesday, November 13th, um, a week later. And we have some basketball to talk about. Plenty, a lot of basketball. Uh, before I start, I just want to apologize. I'm a little under the weather, so my my voice might sound a little funky, in, in case you all were wondering. I don't but. think anybody was wondering. <laughs> Or well, I, <laughs> that you I have to have listeners to listen to 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 see the difference between last week and this week. Yeah, <laughs> you, you right. Yeah, I sure wasn't wondering. Um, <laughs> but yeah, last week's game, uh, we started out the season. Cronin era is here. Off to a good start so far. Yeah, I mean it was interesting games because again, I think. Most of us were very hyped for the air, and then, you know, there's, there's both games had slow starts. Uh, we can go through the first one first against Long Beach State, which had a lot of new guys on their team, and a new nickname, which we talked about last week. <laughs> we're we're learning a lot from the first two games. I actually went to both, um, and it was it was fun being there and kind of seeing it firsthand but then I also watched the tape and just kind of re-watching the games and 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 analyzing it and there's definitely like a lot to boil down especially compared to the basketball we saw the last couple of seasons um, and and it's mostly positive things uh, from especially going from game one into game two um, but again it's it was there are, it was a lot of stuff we talked about before namely like you know, the offense is going to be rough for a little bit. There's going to be some growing pains, um, especially, you know, looking back at the Long Beach State game. Um, I remember sitting there going, oh, my God, we're going to lose this game the entire time <laughs> uh, because the offense was so bad and we couldn't buy a bucket. We just couldn't move the ball very well, especially when Tiger Campbell was off the court. Um but on the flip side, the defense, you know, is still a work in progress also, but the effort level is just outstanding. And that, I think, was the biggest thing that jumped out to me in terms of both games, which is the effort level is insane. What about you? What did you kind of take away from those? I didn't watch the game. No, I'm kidding. Either? Uh, uh, so when I when it first started, I noticed a, a huge difference Um Again, on the defensive effort, I agree. Like what what was great is that you see that these guys have active hands. They're constantly just their hands are everywhere. They're not down. They're not low. They keep their hands up. They're you know swiping at the ball. They're altering all like altering the shot. Um, so that's what I noticed out of the first two games, and I really like that. I think there was one play during uh, UCSB that Tiger Campbell stayed with the ball and the bigger guy than him. I mean, mostly everybody's bigger than Tiger, but he just ended up losing the ball and, and, you know, went out of bounds. And that just spoke to just the second effort and just keeping at it. I mean, it gets to a point where, like, it's a good thing when all your players have the intangibles uh, to stay on the ball. But, yeah, I mean, the defensive effort was was really good. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing, even besides the effort to take away from it, was... You know, we were, and I think everyone was sort of wondering what the buy-in would be like from these players, you know, a lot of which were that weren't recruited by Mick Cronin to UCLA. Um, and it largely seems like that culture and 
is setting in a little bit quicker than I think even I thought it would. Um, and that's ultimately like a very, very positive thing. Um, you know, the players seem to be buying into this system and I think that's going to pay dividends, you know, by the end of this year, but really going into next year, uh, when we get most of these guys back and with that one year of experience under their belts, like it's going to do this team wonders, I think, um, you know, and again, it's just like, I think the most indicative thing of that kind of culture and that buy-in was the amount of times I saw guys diving for loose balls on the ground. Like, it looked like a wrestling match out there sometimes. Um, but just that level of effort and that willingness to put, you know, and sacrifice their bodies on the line to get loose balls and offensive rebounds, um, was just a very positive sign to me that that culture is starting to set in. Yeah, I mean, we spoke about it a little bit uh, before the season, but Cronin, Mick is really seemed like the antithesis of, of Chip Kelly's approach to changing the culture. Um, he took the guys over here and he said, you're going to buy into my system. And as you said, it looks like it's... So far, it's paying dividends. I would say, I mean, I think most of us feel most most of us feel like if Alford Alford was still coaching this year, then we, there's a good case that we'll be one and one. There's a good case that to make that we could have been zero and two um, with the talent that we have right now and just the balance, right? Because, like you said, Tiger when he leaves the game, you notice the offense stalls. Um, at such a significant level, it does. It is worrisome in that sense. Uh, and then you can also tell, like Singleton's not back, and he's still not in good form. And it's probably going to take him, you know, until January until he's there. So, uh, if Alfred again, if he was dealing with that, I just don't know where we would be at this point. And it's good to see that Cronin has has showed that this team, the word that's being thrown around a lot by the media and other, you know, Bruin beat. Are, is grit and we get to see this this team has an identity and it looks like it's going to have that identity throughout the season because at the end of the day that's what Cronin's philosophy is and they're buying in so it's good to see um and then just the the key example was the UCSB game in that second half you saw things take off and the momentum and the rhythm just shifted and Jalen Hill gets 22 and 10 and you know, and it's just it's I, I think it's gonna be one of those seasons like every guy will have a night, you know, contributing. Uh and he'll have that one good night where just the game flows for them and or for the team and then he's just getting those open buckets and some you know, it just happens to be his night. I don't think we're gonna have uh someone who's gonna take over each game, but we'll just have, you know, one of our guys get off and then the next game another guy would get off so it's it's exciting to see um and that yeah, we're gonna we're gonna win as a team and we don't have that one star guy yet that's gonna you know be the guy night in night out carrying the team on scoring it's it's gonna so every night i think someone different's gonna pitch in um i will say there are a couple of candidates that could emerge down this stretch of the season that you know could be that offensive kind of um, focal point to carry us through. Um, Jules Bernard had an incredibly great night on, um, I think, Sunday against He UCSB. got 20, 20 points, yeah. 
Yeah, he looked he was, very polished. He looked polished. He had a couple of bad drives. You know, he still um, has a few bad habits from last year where he drives into nowhere and gets stuck. Um, but largely, he, he played within the flow of the offense. He hit some big threes. He was shot well. Um, and he was, he was you know, making good plays. And that's the kind of thing that we're, we're going to need to see from him consistently before uh, we can say he's going to emerge as that guy. But I think he is a candidate um, to do that. And, again, like, I think we can keep winning this way as a team without, you know, having that guy. But if we do have a guy emerge like that, it's only going to, you know, propel our expectations and the the uh, uh, projection of this team even more positively, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's also cool to see that we got rave reviews pretty early on. Uh, UCSB's coach, you know, said that he thinks he played an NCAA tournament team. So uh, if we can keep that going, then, you know, good things are to come. Yeah, and, and UCSB... Um, was a is a was a solid, very good team with a lot of experience coming back. You know, a lot of people actually had predicted us to lose this game, um, and so for us to kind of come out that second half and and do what we did is a very good sign of, of things to come. Um, and you know, we have a couple of games in the next week or so. Uh, next two games, I think, are UNLV this Friday, um, and then Southern Utah. Both teams, I mean, we should be able to beat uh, pretty handily. We'll see, you know, how we come out against them. But, you know, we're, we're on a good path um, to starting off the season, at least 4-0 going into Hofstra, hopefully getting the 5-0 next next week as well. Um, and then I think we face a couple of our, our harder teams um, in Maui. Uh, I don't remember... We, we right start out with BYU. Or, right. So BYU's, you know, always pretty solid. Um, and so I think they'll they'll present a, a pretty tough challenge for us. Um, and then I think after that we have Kansas coming up? Yeah, Kansas is also on that, yeah. Oh, uh, no, it's, it's San Jose State, Denver, and then Notre Dame in Notre Dame, which is going to be rough. Um, but I believe Kansas is part of the Maui Invitational. Right, if we win both of those games, I think we should play and then play Kansas. So that'll be obviously a big, big test. And then, you know, UNC coming down um, on the 21st of December. So there's, you know, we have some hard, hard games coming up. Yeah, we do. And I, I mean, the one thing that's good is that I think this is actually the very ideal slate to have to start out the error with is that you have five home games against pretty decent teams. They're not, you know, horrible teams. And uh, I mean, I guess UNLV probably is going to be the, the worst team that we play, but the other teams are they're no slouches. And <clears throat> And you get to see how this team is able to adjust. And if they're down, it's it's good to build momentum and character uh, through these five games before the slate gets tougher um, once they head to Hawaii. Yep. Agree. I think this is a perfect kind of uh, few games to kind of start gelling and, and get some of these kinks out. And all I'm looking for is for you know, positive um, improvement every single game. And so far I've seen that. And one of the more refreshing things about 
you know, Cronin is, so far has been just halftime adjustments. You know, who thought that could happen in the last five years? But it happened. That, that UCSB game was like a prime example of that. Um, just the way we played defensively in the second half and some of the adjustments that, that Mick made. Um, and so that's refreshing. And one of the more refreshing things, and I don't know, you probably didn't get this as much on TV, but um, I was noticing this during the games. Like, he would, the coach would just call players over, get them, you know, I would hear, like, Jules, come here! Or, you know, <clears throat> um, Tiger, come here! And you would call them over and, you know, give them a quick quick coach coaching moment or lesson, whatever he was saying to them, and it seemed like they were really responding and listening to him. Um, and so that, that seemed, again, it's just a, a, a indicative of a good culture to see players, you know, listening to the coach and, and being doing as what they're instructed to try to, you know, implement the system. And, and again, it's, I feel like a broken record, but so far I'm, I'm happy with the, the results. Yeah. Good job, Mick. We like you. So far, so good. Yeah. Mick's doing his thing. Yeah. I I love it. Um, on the women's side, you know, the women's team is rolling. Oh yeah. They, they were just ranked again today, I believe. They're still on 11, I believe. Yeah. It was either today or yesterday. Um, I actually, I think the women's, their, their rankings come out on Tuesday. Uh, I know this just because we've been good for the past few years, and I've looked forward to just seeing a number next to them. But, um, yeah, I haven't seen any of their games, to be honest, uh, but I just read the stats after, and uh, Close, has, she's doing her, her doing her thing as well. But yeah, I mean, they've Have you watched any of them? By, I've watched bits and pieces of them, um, and, you know, they, they're blown out everyone so far. Uh, they beat Weber State by 40, and they beat um, Loyal Marymount by 30, 32, something like that. So they're just, they've been humming along, and then they play Long Beach State next, uh, tomorrow, I believe, and then Northern Colorado next week. So they're just, so far, they're just humming along. We'll see. Um, I think the first ranked team that they play is Indiana sometime in December. Um, currently ranked team, so we'll see how they fare against them. Um, and then obviously in our in conference, we'll have teams like Stanford and ASU, who are usually very good. Um, Stanford, I think, is like two or three this year, and then Oregon State. Um, I don't think we play Oregon this year. Oh uh, no, we do. We do play Oregon. Um, looking at the schedule. February and Oregon's ranked number one um so you know that's so it's a good thing we get them later in the year yeah definitely uh hopefully that'll be like a big marquee matchup of two top five teams by then I think uh one second I want to go back to the to the men's just uh one thing before we move on sure the the one if you look at the numbers we've out route out rebounded you know, these two teams, and that's great to see. And obviously, obviously we have one of the, you know, the most length in the conference. So it is, it's great to see the possessions we're able to get and just the length to be at our advantage. And I'm looking forward to that coming into play against these other teams, which, you know, are going to be equal in in length and height. But, 
to show that we, you know, we're getting some practice in and we're ready. Uh, we're ready for them, the big boys. Yeah, I mean, look, half the battle's effort, right? And so I think it's, we're proving that this team is going to put the effort in, and that might not always win us the game all the way, but I think it will win us more than enough games to get into the tournament. Um, so as long as we're consistent on that effort and get better, especially on offense, and and you know keep continuing this defensive play, uh, you know I there's there's only you know room to go up from here. Um, cool. So we have a big. Uh, Another big game coming up in uh, football this week, huh? Yeah. Uh, what's it called? Um, oh gosh, we're we're twenty two. What was the line? Twenty two. Yeah. I think that's the last line I saw as well. So since we spoke last time, you know we've had a buy, but the line has released. Uh, now we get to see. Um, you know, what Vegas thinks about us, which most betters. And it's interesting to see the line is 22. I think it's dropped to 21 and 20 for most sites. But it just tells you that, you know, the rest of the nation hasn't caught up with what UCLA has been doing. And also, I mean, just both of these teams, their possessions have gone up. Or, well, UCLA has um, Utah. You know, both these teams hold the ball for so long. I'm just not sure if that's ever you know, they're going to have enough time to score that much to even be up 21 um, or more. So regardless, uh, yeah, it's interesting to see we're we're going to be facing, you know, one of the best defenses in the nation, not only just in the conference. Um, but besides that, I mean, we have this team coming up, but it's just been a hell of a week last week. Uh, we spoke about, you know, our commitment. We were recording and we got a commitment um, while we're, you know, just as we were recording. And since then, we had two more. And we also have a silent boom. Um, so we have someone down the pipeline, which is supposed to be, you know, a pretty big recruit. But it's it's pretty exciting to see, you know, guys come on board. And we finally got our linebacking core, you know, our future for that. And we can probably take one more with Mr. Williams um, but yeah, UCLA football is in a good place. I, I, I have the feeling, I mean, these guys seem like they are going into this game knowing they're the underdogs and with nothing to lose, knowing that they can spoil maybe the Pac-12 chance of making the playoffs, depending on if the committee thinks that attending to Utah is a good enough opponent for Oregon to be in the championship, if UCLA will falter. But, uh... Or USC will falter um, following the uh, Utah loss. But regardless, uh, UCLA is just in a good place when football, which is amazing. I think we all have said it, everyone who's spoken about this. It's just amazing to see a turnaround. I guess that's the beauty of college football. Like, I just remember, remember we were talking about the Washington State game. And we just didn't know what to predict for, for conference play. And we were like... Is you know are the first three games indicative of what we're gonna see, or is Kelly really turning on? Then we have the craziest game of the season still, and then you know, and then we're brought back to earth. You know, with a, a weird Arizona game, which you know I'm actually not. I think that's the game I'm not too upset about um, losing. But again, yeah, we'll that's talk the about game it. I'm sort of the most upset about losing is that. <clears throat> 
we just didn't take any of that momentum off the Washington State game. I just don't. I think I thought it was the opposite. I thought that we were in a high. We were in such a hangover, and then we go into a second road game on a yeah, second road trip. I don't know. We're playing a true freshman uh, backup quarterback in his first start. Like, and I think we win if those Pac-12 refs didn't fuck us over, especially on that last spot. That's fair, but we should never have been in that situation. Anyways, it's. It's a moot point at this point. Yeah, and letting bygones be bygones. But, the, you know, in the Oregon State game, I, that's the game I look at and just say, like, the play calling was the worst it could have been. And so, and that was rock bottom for all of us once we lost to them that week, you know, or we had to sit there on a bye. Um, and we had to sit with that loss, and many of us dejected. I would say it's it's quite amazing that, you know, the the contrast between – the two buys, you know, the first buy, all hell is breaking loose. We have a decommitment. Um, we're all just on the edge of just, uh, just never watching another UCLA game until uh, Kelly, you know, decides that he's going to resign. Like there's rumors of that spreading around, and and you know we're sitting on this for a good, I would say what, it was a good like four eleven days something like that yeah so um so and then now we're sitting at this by just you know sitting at third in the south and sitting comfortably with a chance now to control our own destiny and uh we had you know one of the biggest recruiting weekends or weeks that i think i can't even remember jim mora having a recruiting week like this um he had some like, closing like signing days that were yeah, but a recruiting week during the season? I don't remember that. Like Yeah. No, I don't either. Like after a game, like having multiple people, like usually he would have, you know, a big game and we'll have maybe two max commit from the visit, you know, but most of those guys would they would go and just wait off, finish their visits and you know, and some of those guys would sign on national signing day. But to see guys, you know, just from a trip to say like this is where we want to go. And I, I don't know. I don't know if we did a nearly clean sweep of the visitors, but because there's still one more that needs to commit. Um, two more. So Sellers and then Mesador from Florida. Uh, but it's just, it's, I mean, who would have guessed that? Like, again. Well, I wouldn't have. <laughs> so it, it, it has been a very wacky season, to say the least. And we have three games left, and it's interesting to see. Uh, I know most of us um, are expecting... To, uh, I think most of us are expecting to surprise Utah, but not necessarily win. So to give them a game, maybe for a quarter or two, to but not maybe to not win because it is just the situation of we're playing at Salt Lake City, five p.m. kickoff is probably going to be a what thirty-seven to thirty-nine degrees. Like it's just not favorable. Um, and it's going to be a pretty loud crowd, and they're going to show up. I think uh, Utah has a little thing against UCLA. Um, you know, from my experience of playing them in the Rose Bowl, and they've been kicking our butt the past nine years, so I think they're 6-3 and three since they hit the conference. So, And before that, we had, you know, beat them besides, I think, 2006 we lost to them. But before that, we won eight in a row. And so... 
Yeah, but Utah, they have a little this bit of underdog with the program, and I don't think they're going to let that up when they play us because they know they're overlooked. Their recruiting class is still, I believe, 12th in the conference, which is highly ironic. Um, but I'm just expecting a fun game. I'm happy where the football program is, but I also, again, it, everything is pending, not necessarily in this game, but what happens in the next one, uh, next Saturday. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> when you really think about it, all the pressure really is on Utah in this game, in my opinion. Like, they're the number seven team in the country right now with this, you know, kind of weight on their shoulders to get into that Pac-12 South championship. And, and, you know, likely you have to play Oregon to try to get into a playoff. Like, they're the ones with the playoff berth on the line. Um, and so, you know, they definitely need to to be on their A game to try to, 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 you know, hold court and at home, it will be interesting to see how our guys come out. You know, I, Ethan, uh, Fernia coupled, or it was it last week came out talking about how, you know, they're going to be more physical than Utah and things like that. I don't particularly like putting that kind of stuff out in the public. Um, you know, I know these these the players are kids and etc cetera, etc cetera, but i just don't get the point of getting you know put that poster board material for the the opposing team out there yeah. but despite that feeling like there is this sense of this team is really trying to seize this moment and to to come out you know with guns blazing and so you know the way we've been playing the last um, few games and the way we've looked like we have the talent and we have you know if we game plan properly like we could beat them I'm not counting that out um, and I am warning everyone right now if we do somehow beat Utah this week I am fully on board the UCLA is going to the, the Rose Bowl game train and putting that out there I, I will be insufferable um <clears throat> but I, I it just, Wait, are we it, playing who's our opponent in the Rose Bowl ooh. I don't know I haven't thought that far ahead if we make it to actually I won't get into that it's a big <laughs> if right now well, I, I, <clears throat> like I said it's after this week we'll see what happens um, anyways it, it'll it'll really change the trajectory of this team right now but you know there's still it's it's a it's a tough task. You know Tyler Huntley in my opinion is probably, you know, at least on par with Justin Herbert as, you know, the top QB in the conference. Uh he's been pretty damn good uh just playing uh you know, he's improved accuracy, he can make plays with his legs, like he's he's a very good quarterback. And of course then they have Zach Moss who's an incredible running back. He's third, like rushing as Utah's all-time rushing leader now. Like he's a very, very great player. So, you know, stopping those guys is going to be tough, and they have a pretty deep wide receiver core um, to go along with that. And you know, they're a big physical team, and then their defense is is excellent. Like that D line is is nasty. I mean, Bradley, like he is a monster. He should be in the NFL today. So. 
Yeah, it's so it's gonna be tough, but <clears throat> it, what what do you kind of see the game plan being here to do, to beat them? I mean, I think oh, it's interesting. I don't know if you watched the the Washington game, but while Washington is deeper than us and they tend to have a, a bit more talent um, and older guys, it was interesting to see how they game plan. And they actually they did really well against the run uh, against Utah and to the point that, you know, Huntley made some great plays. He had that one in a than the end zone, but, uh, you know, Huntley had to pull out some heroics in order to get through that game, and I think we're going to be looking at Washington's game plan for stopping the run, and again, forcing him to throw, it's just a matter of fact of, you know, how accurate he is in that, during that cold, cold weather, and in Utah versus, you know, Seattle, and, and then also, you know, how, if he's healthier this game, I I see us again stacking, you know, hitting the gap and, you know, a few more stunts and blitzes on the defense. And, you know, luckily, I think Holmes is going to have a great game. They won't target towards him, but it's going to be what are the other guys doing to other DBs? Uh I I don't right. I don't expect Utah to have much explosive plays. They may have one or two like a slip up, like a busted coverage um throughout the game, but other than that, I just I expect it to be a brawl, and I think we, you know, our team is expecting that. And then with the offense, our offense, I I do we're gonna try to run it up the middle with Josh Kelly because you know they haven't faced a running back like we have all season. We you know and with Kelly leading the Pac-12 in rushing and Zach Moss right behind him, it's interesting to see how they use how they practice or scout for, for Kelly. But I think we're going to, you know, have some more creative plays that we've seen that worked against uh, USC last year. And we started to see during during the end of Colorado, there were some great plays. You know, when we, we, when we had our last touchdown with Kelly, it, that one run was a great run. And, and where we're placing our our linemen, I I couldn't tell you the type of play it was. I don't even know necessarily because I know there's you know guys who break it down to pistol all that stuff. But our our running our linemen have just seemed to sink with you know opening up the gaps for Kelly. And once he sees it, he just he happens to do this step where he steps forward, and after that he just bursts a bit. You know, his top end speed of course has never been his strength. But Kelly has been able, he has this agility that's very underrated and I think is elite. Um, so I'm excited to see that against Utah. The other thing is, I'm, in, I'm curious to see how their DBs, I mean, they have Jalen Johnson. And, you know, they won the game last week, you know, on a pick towards the end. But um, it's going to be interesting to see if they're pressing up or if they're giving our receivers some space. Because I expect them to press up against them. But I, I, I don't know, it's going to be... It's good. I, I don't know they necessarily expect what, what UCLA is going to do. What I'm afraid of is that Chip Kelly is going to get into some sort of weird, like, stubbornness to where he is just going to try to out-muscle and run it at <clears throat> that D-line the entire game. I do think we need to spread them out to start off with and, and try to get the, the, the passing game going a little bit. 
more before we start trying to run it because that way, you know, it'll, you know, I think we need to throw to run essentially to start the game. And if we can get DTR going, um, maybe, you know, we have some called runs for DTR around the edge and try to get, you know, that defense a little off balance a little bit. And I, I think then we can kind of start attacking them a little bit more downhill once we have, um, you know, that, that rhythm going and get Josh Kelly going. Um, I think the RPOs will, will be very important. Um, if, you know, we'll see how DTR is reading the defenses and seeing, you know, how much of a jump he's actually made. I think this is going to be his biggest test, obviously. Um, and then, yeah, on the defense side, defensive side, I think if we can limit Zach Moss as much as we possibly can, um, look, we're not going to, I don't think we're going to completely stop him. Um, though we did an incredible job against uh, Arizona State's running attack, which was also very good. Um, but, you know, none of those guys are Zach Moss. But if we can somehow limit Zach Moss and force Tyler Huntley to make, you know, some big throws. Uh, like you said, I think, you know, Darnay has been playing pretty well and I think he'll keep his side of the, the field pretty locked down hopefully, but it's going to see, it remains to be seen how some of these other DBs are going to uh, respond to this kind of atmosphere and this kind of team. And so if we can be physical with the receivers and, and, you know, play good tight man coverage, uh, I think we could, could you know play and, and stop them pretty well uh, we have the i would argue we have the um the uh, talent to do so it just remains to be seen if we can execute the defensive game plan and to to actually stop them yeah i agree though it, i think what you said does make sense uh passing to run rather than running to pass because it is very much a thing where we could just do two run plays and then obviously we're forced to, to throw on a, a third and eight. And then next thing you know, Utah gets the ball. So it would make sense to just even start out the the game with, you know, pass, pass, or maybe a run and just seeing, you know, what goes from there. Being a little bit creative. I mean, it would be I, – I would laugh I mean, if we uh, – or I think it would just be fun at the idea of us just starting out with our, all our tight ends just for the first play. Just <laughs> <laughs> no, please no, never, never again. Uh, our twenty tight ends, just put in, put them in. <laughs> never again. Um, I do think like <clears throat> you know we have some players that if we can utilize them well in space, they're gonna give Utah fits. You know, guys like Felton, guys like Kaz Allen. Um, you know, if we can get them. You know, on some um, you yeah, know, Irby on a check down, Irby on a check down. But if we can utilize like Felton or or Allen on some wheel routes off the backfield and get them you know lined up against the linebacker, like that is a is a recipe for disaster for Utah because I there's not very many linebackers that are going to be able to keep up with those guys with their speed. Um, and so if we can you know get exploit some of those mismatches like we can hurt them offensively. I think we can definitely hurt them offensively. It's just a matter of if we can stop them um, as well. So uh, it's going to be an interesting game. I'm excited for it. You know, I 
some might argue I'm a little too excited for it. I might have a little bit too much hope. Um, but I, I, I think it's possible to, to beat them. Yeah, I mean, and so far this is, people are saying this is the biggest game of Kelly's the Kelly era, and I agree, but I do think even next week would be the biggest of his era, uh, no matter if we win or lose, because if we lose, it's going to be for bowl, you know, to remain bowl eligible. If we win, it's going to be for the Pac-12 South. So either way, this one is big, but next week is even bigger. Um. And, yeah, I, I'm curious to see how he handles this stage. And, you know, this is the type of pressure that we haven't seen uh, on this team just yet in terms of when the stakes are high. So hopefully they deliver and they come out with something amazing and they beat all the odds. And, uh, you know, again, you know, college football does this magic. Um, but... Regardless, I'm excited. Like I'm excited to see what happens. I'm not dreading watching a game, and I have some hope. Once again, we are hopeless sports romantics. <laughs> yeah, and I think the twenty-one, twenty-two point line is probably a little unfair to us. I do think um, we'll keep it within you know ten, even if we lose. I think it'll be a lot closer than twenty points, twenty plus points. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be an exciting Saturday. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. And, um, other thing is on the other side of town, we, one of their decommits, uh, Jack Yari, uh, is now, you know, set for a visit for UCLA. Um, He's a legacy kid too. Legacy. From the legend, Ron Yari, like, like actually a great player unfortunately but um yeah it'll be curious to see how our momentum continues with players such as that because it's it's cool to see that he's taking notice at what UCLA is doing with our tight ends you know versus their raid system which just hasn't hit hasn't had enough targets even though they have their tight ends and they you know they're deep they have follow and a few others um at tight end but they just seem not to get them the ball um, so it, it is, that's another flip side is to see how our offense is, is a lot more attractive than what's going on on the other side of town. You know, as Helton, you know, grasp as he, he, he hangs on the, on the edge before, uh, he gets the ax in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, again, we've talked about this before. It's amazing. You win a couple of games, and that UCLA draw for recruiting is just—it's just comes to life. Um, all those advantages just get come back into play, and you know we start seeing all these guys commit. So, you know, I I can't imagine if we do somehow upset Utah this week, um, what it will do for recruiting. I think it's going to turn a lot of heads. Uh, also, there was I saw on Twitter uh, I la. Utah also beat us under Mora. I mean, it was like five years ago now, six years ago now. Uh, we were ranked seven when we lost to them at the Rose Bowl, I believe. Um, so maybe a little little revenge game. Yeah, we were both we were both there for that game. That was not a fun one. 
Yeah. It's, um... I remember that field goal. It's pretty frustrating. It was the field goal game. Yeah. Damn it. So, now, let's just turn this into a revenge tour, even though it's... Oh, yeah. That was 2014. (laughs) It's five years later. Revenge tour, 2019. I'll take it. It's some karmic payback. And it makes sense. We beat Stanford. We got one against them. Uh, Oh, yeah. And then we lost to Colorado last year, so we got one against them. Arizona State beat us last year. Got one against them. Got one against them. I mean, and then if you think about it, last year we beat Arizona, so we didn't need to beat them this year. Uh, (laughs) Oregon State, we we hadn't played since, you know, Josh Rosen had one of his best games. And we, I think we nearly shut them out in in, in uh, Corvallis uh, back in 2015. But anyways, we you know we haven't played them in a while, so they got revenge against us. Uh, Washington State, uh, I mean, we got revenge against them because the last time we played them, we lost with Josh Rosen um, with that game that he almost won by himself. So if this this may actually line up to where. We're not doing any predictions. I'm just saying there is a trend here. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. And I mean, the SC game, that's always a revenge tour. Yeah, and that's where the trend breaks. Like, with this season so far, that's just always beat SC. The one exception. And Cal. So, yeah. But our conference, you know, it's we're on a revenge tour, if you think about it. There, yeah. There's revenge against us, and then there's, you know... We have revenge. Let's just us. let's go on the revenge tour this weekend and then just stop and then go back for the last to two games. <laughs> what we did to the last two teams last year. Yeah. So. So. Uh yeah, and then you know we have a couple other things going on. There's the women's uh, soccer team is uh, getting tournament ready. Number two seed, just like last year, and they're playing Lamar University. On Friday at 9 p.m. Uh, yeah, and they had a huge, huge uh, rivalry game against SC last week. Sold out. Did you go there? Did you go to I it? I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't able to go. I wanted to. You won't. Um, I know. But they uh, they took care of business at home. Yeah, go girls. I mean, last year, correct me if I'm wrong, they were pretty close to winning the championship. I don't remember where they ended up, um, unfortunately. Um, but I think they're the number two seed. And I actually, I think the number two seed can be sometimes better than the one seed. But, you know, that's not a conversation to be at now. But where, um, or where are they playing Lamar? Is that a, I believe that should probably be a home game. Yeah, it should be. It's a home game. So last year we made it to the quarterfinals. Um and I was and then the year before was the one I was thinking of where we lost in the championship. Yeah, so if we <clears throat> we beat Lamar, we'll go on to play the winner of Clemson or Vanderbilt. Looks like and then um you know, who else do we have? You know, we have Florida State in our bracket, which I think we beat earlier this season, if I remember correctly. Yeah, we did. Um, and then Wisconsin's on our side. 
who's always uh, always has a very good program. Um, Rose Lavelle on the, the women's national team is, is out of there. A lot of talent on Wisconsin always. Um, UW is, is is good this year. They're the four seed on, on that side of the bracket. So and then Stanford is at the top of our bracket, which is a bummer. Yeah, which would be the semifinals if we yeah, advance. Yeah, if we get that far. Um, but, you know, hopefully someone can take them out before then. And if not, we can get our revenge on them. It's always nice. Revenge tour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're taking um, a book out of uh, 2018 Michigan's Yes, yeah, seriously. Season. So, yeah, I think it's there's some there's some... It should be a fun, fun tournament. Hopefully, we we make a deep run. They're they're primed for it. Yeah, and then uh, other thing to talk about um, was the water polo team. I don't know which which one do we which game which match do we talk about? Cause I we can skip over the SC match. Oh man, I don't know. I don't know. Which was a battle, but just didn't go our way. Yeah, it happens. It it happens. But, but yeah, they're good. I guess that's all I got to say about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the as long as they they uh they roll through the uh the tournament, well be happy with that oh wait we're back i mean i guess we fell to number three we used to be number one i said last week we would be number one and we were right now we're back to number three which is fine let's keep uh just keep going back up all that matters is what we uh what we do in the tournament yeah and then cross country is i'm actually excited about that the men's is number 10 in the country uh and they they are competing on Friday at the NCAA West Regional, so keep an eye out for that um, to see what the results are over the weekend. Uh, women's golf at number 15 are doing well. They're recruiting. We're getting a lot of international recruits. I guess it hasn't really been anything different. I'm just going through and acting like I know what's going on with other UCLA sports. I absolutely have no idea. I just check when they win. Oh! Yeah, baseball's starting to... We have fall. We got a big signing today in in Uh, basketball. Oh, yeah. How could we forget? Daisha Nix is official. He's official. So, that's... uh, that's an exciting, exciting signing. Um, you know, we've covered, we've talked about him in the past, but number one point guard, you know, big physical player, you know, great court vision. Uh, and he seems to be perfect for, for Cronin ball. So, you know, excited to get him in the fold for next season. Uh, hopefully we can get Joshua Christopher, who's another five-star shooting guard um, on yeah, board. Yeah, no, a favorite out of the class. A lot of people and analysts have raved about him at camps that they've seen him. Yeah, he's he's good. He's a good scoring guard. And then, you know, if we if we end with those guys, I would be very happy with the recruiting. Um, and if we somehow nab both those guys and a big, um, then I'd be ecstatic. But, you know... 
to get someone like Daishin Nix and hopefully Joshua Christopher onto this team um, with most of these guys coming back hopefully next year, like, that team is going to be stacked. Yeah, we want Zed ecstatic, so he's happy soon, but let's get him ecstatic. Yes, please. Yes, please. But, yeah, that's um, it. That's all yeah. I got. Cool. Um, we will, you know, hopefully uh, have a, another happy episode next week after this weekend. Um, we'll see how that goes, but we'll be back next week. Um, check us out on, on Twitter, uh, Facebook. We're on Apple uh, Podcasts and um, Podbean. Yeah, and don't forget, so Utah game is uh, on FS1 at 5 p.m. Pacific time, uh, so don't miss that. And then the basketball game, UNLV, is going to be 7 p.m. on Friday. Uh, 8 p.m., I think. Did I have that wrong? Sorry. 8 I think that one's 8 p.m., yeah. Yeah, 8 it's p.m. One. You're right, 8 p.m. So both games um, on Friday, 8 p.m., on the Pac-12, our favorite network, and then Southern Utah on Monday on the Pac-12 at the same time. Yeah, so it'll be exciting. And that's it for me. Cool. I need to go we'll to bed. It's 11.30 here well, on the East yeah, Coast. Gotta, gotta go sleep. Alrighty, we'll catch you next week. Until next time, and go All Bruins! Right. Go Bruins!